Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. It's always a joy to feature new and interesting initiatives on the Leadership File. If you're the sort of person who connects tents and Christianity with travelling miles from home for a Christian festival, it's time to think again. Tent Theology is a ministry that comes to you, and I'm joined by its director and primary teacher, Stephen Backhouse. Uh, in fact, although uh, this may be new to you and me, Stephen has for two decades been delivering real theology to thousands of Christians around the world in churches, universities, schools, festivals, political party conferences, youth camps, newspapers, magazines, television and podcasts. So great to welcome you, Stephen, to the Leadership File. Thanks, Andy. Good to be here. Um, so how did Tenth Theology come about? Well, it came about because I was an academic theologian who realized that I loved theology, but that I didn't think the academy was the best home for it. Um, I was visiting, I was actually living in California for a few months last year, for about nine months. I was living in California and a church down in Los Angeles invited me down to do a weekend of teaching and because uh, uh, they wanted to, to get a bit of theology into their church. So I went down to Los Angeles and I did this weekend of teaching theology to the local church and I loved it. <laughs> and so after that weekend, then I, I sought out more opportunities. Um, another church in Montreal in Canada invited me. And, um, and then when the time came to come back to the UK, my college that I worked for, I was ready to take up my job again. And um, they said, well, here's your teaching schedule. And I, I looked at them and I said, do you know what? I, I think I want to keep trying to get theology back into the local church. So I effectively quit my job and I've started this new venture called Tent Theology. But it, it really came out of the really good experiences I had of bringing it wasn't dumbed down. It was like real theology, real biblical studies, but it was delivered to just everyone in the church. And they weren't trying to get a degree and they weren't trying to get a Christian job at the end of it. They were just there to learn about their own Christianity. Yeah. So that's how it started. It started out of some fun experiences, which I realized this is what I love doing. I want to keep doing this more if I can. Hey, well, that's, that's a great uh Great way of, of discovering vocation, isn't it? Um, um, you, you typically work with a local church for about 10 days, uh, two weekends and a week in between. Is that how it works? Well, it's very flexible. So the idea of the tent is that it's easy to set up and it's easy to take down and it's easy to take anywhere. Uh, and the idea is that a church doesn't have to start a school or an institution or a college if it wants to do this. It doesn't even have to start a program which has to continue forever and ever. The idea is to try and offer as much flexibility to the local church as possible. So sometimes I'll show up for a weekend. I'll do a weekend program. Sometimes I'll stay for a week, Sunday to Sunday. And sometimes I'll stay for 10 days, right? So that's two weekends and the week in the middle. But always the idea is that I am as residential as possible. So it's to try and avoid this. This um, like We've all had the experience of like, a guest speaker coming in for one night and maybe they read off some talk that they give everywhere they go and then they go away again without any real connection to the local congregation. But what I say to my churches is like, I would like to be with you as much as possible. I'd like to live with, I try and live with a family in the church if possible. I like to 
hang around during the day with the church staff team. I like to have office open hours so that anybody in the congregation can come and chat with me. The, the idea is that I, I attend the church services. So the idea is that I almost am a resident theologian for as long as the church will have me. <laughs> but we found that 10 days is usually the maximum that people want. <laughs> so, I mean, the language pop-up is, um, has become kind of pop-up it's, cafes and that kind of thing. Pop-up it's a pop-up theology pop-up school. Theology yep. school. Now, it is said that the church has never before had more tools uh, to understand the Bible, yeah. and yet biblical literacy is at an all-time low. So mm. um, what are the areas of theology you teach which take into account the fact that actually a lot of the, a lot of the listeners are probably starting at a very low starting point? Yeah, I have found that... I Now, so I'm, I'm, I guess if you were going to draw a, put me on a spectrum, you know, I'd be on the more on the evangelical end of things, charismatic renewal, evangelical word and spirit kind of Christian, yeah. although I fit in lots of different areas. But I found that when I go to to churches like that, your, your typical, maybe a church that would run an alpha course or a Christianity Explored or something, they, they like the Bible. I mean, they love the Bible. They talk about it all the time. They respect it and they admire it and they read it in church. But... They're also scared of it. Okay. So I found a lot of people you might call evangelical Christians, they're, they're sort of scared of the Bible. I think, that all the, um, I think that all the study of the Bible has made people worried that if you study it too much, you will lose your faith. Or if you – people are a bit suspicious of all the academic study out there that, that pays attention to who wrote it or when it, how it was constructed or – um, and so I think that a lot of Christians I've found are are almost a bit nervous of knowing too much about the Bible because then they'll lo- they feel that they'll lose their love for it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so what part of what I'm trying to do is I I'm trying to say to churches I show up and I say, look, we we wrote these texts like these are the, the especially the New Testament but also the Old Testament like. It was faithful, believing people and communities that wrote these texts, and we did it in, in worship and prayer and listening to the Lord. We, these texts are examples of different communities faithfully living out what the Lord has revealed to them, working it out, arguing with each other, uh, agreeing with each other. We wrote these texts. We can deal with them, and we don't have to be scared of them. Um, they, they, they're for us, and uh, any any contradictions we might find or any problems we might find in these texts, like they don't destroy our faith. They're, they're part of our faith, right? right. Um, uh, it's part of who we are. And if you can't talk about it in a group of believing, worshiping Christians who love one another and have goodwill towards one another, then where can you talk about it? Okay. You know, the local church is the best place to talk about it. Not, it's not the worst place. It's the best place. So I, I quite enjoy going straight into the naughtiest, hardest problems. So often when I teach, especially the Bible or the New Testament, and more about the New Testament just because that's where I tend to teach from. But um, I'll, get, I'll get the people in the room to call out, like, their hardest questions or if we'll look at a passage or a book of the Bible and we'll deliberately focus in on some of the most difficult passages. And it's just a way to, to show that, look, we don't have to be scared of this. We can, 
here's some tools, here's how we can deal with some of these issues, here's why uh, it was written, or here's what it might have meant to the first people who ever read, wrote this or read this. And the idea is just to try and disarm some of the some of the fears that we might have. So yeah, that's a long way of answering your question. No, I think, and, and I think kind of biblical been... illiteracy is often just fear of engaging with the text as we have it. But I suppose it uh, kind of partly preempted my next question, which concerns really, I suppose, the relationship between the, the, the classic academy and the, and the yeah. local church and how yeah. folk go away for theological training but oh, yeah. with questions and issues. And they're yeah. a little bit frightened with what... It's not that they are necessarily, you know, particularly within an evangelical framework. They, they come back yeah. excited about the, their new understanding of the Bible, but are a little frightened about communicating yeah. that with the congregation who, who have a base, the basic level that they went away with. I know. So the well, we, we have this problem on, on all sides. So yeah. what, what the church has done historically is we've outsourced our teaching mm. to the, the university or the seminary. And so there's been this divergence now. And it is, to it is absolutely true. Local churches send their keen young people off to university to study theology. And these keen young people come back. They either come back having lost their faith or becoming arrogant <laughs> jerks who who try and try and teach all these people uh, all the, the I don't know it's hard to exp do you know what I mean like it, it hasn't been a very successful yeah. experiment often yeah. I mean sometimes you get people coming back learning in humility and wisdom and wanting to help their church but often the experience is a bad one yeah. and and I see that as happening on both sides so from the university's point of view They've divorced theology and biblical studies from worship. They've divorced it from Christian fellowship. It's just become an academic subject, which is all about knowledge. And as we know, knowledge puffs up. Mm. But then from the church point of view, the local church point of view, we've, we have told people, if you're serious about your faith, then there's no room. If you're serious about knowing and learning about your faith, then there's no room for you in this church. And if you want to devote your life to studying these texts or to studying church history or to contemplating the Trinity, or then, then there's no room for you here. And we don't have a space for you. And when we have small group Bible studies, we don't want to know anything that you learnt. And when we have sermons, we just want them to be 15 minutes long and you're not allowed to touch on anything controversial. Do you know what I mean? Like these poor um, theologians, people who are really keen to actually know and learn about Christianity and live it out, don't have a home. They don't fit in the university and they don't fit in the church. Yeah. And I see this all the time. I see these people, they don't, they're not really welcome in any of those spheres. And I find that a shame. So, <laughs> so I agree. I agree that theology hasn't always been good for the local church. And I'd like to try and change that because I think theology and the local church are the best, they're the best home for each other. Well, you're listening to The Leadership Fire with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Stephen Backhouse. Stephen is the director and primary teacher of Tent, Tent Theology. We'll be back just after this. 
Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Stephen Backhouse. Stephen is a, a theologian who is trying to marry the uh, the academy, as it were, the academic study of the Bible uh, with the local church to make sure that the local churches can access theology. And he does that by coming and uh, bringing his approach as like he becomes like a resident theologian for a short period of time, maybe for a week or 10 days or a shorter time. Uh, within a, a local church uh, setting. So it's exciting to hear, uh, Stephen, your your approach. Have there been tricky moments when you've kind of engaged with local churches, perhaps times when uh, what, what we were talking about before the break, the, <laughs> some of the issues have come up which which you've given your answer and actually have led to a bit of a revolt or a, people being upset <laughs> or something like that? Um, I mean, the, the one that springs to mind, so I... One that's, so I, I do tent theology in, in um, North America, but, but also in the UK. I mean, I'm Canadian, but I live in, in England, and I've lived in England for, for 20 years. So uh, when I started doing tent theology, I assumed that talking about Genesis and creation, you know, creationism is, is bigger in North America. It's, it's a bigger deal. So I assumed, okay, when I go to my North American churches, that'll be the, the thing that everybody wants to talk about. But actually, I was surprised to find that when I was doing a tent in London, that that, that was an issue that came up. Yeah. Um, and I had, when I do tents, I don't just bring in, it's not just me talking all the time. What I do is I, I design a program for the church based on what they want. Okay. And this church wanted to look at the Bible. And I'm I'm better, I'm more comfortable talking about the New Testament than I am about the Old Testament. So I brought in a, a, an expert in, on the book of Genesis, and she was talking about Genesis. And in her talk, she she was talking about the earliest creation stories and how they there's parallels in other yeah. Mesopotamian myths. And, um, and she's not a six-day creationist, you know. and she, But she's a fully Bible-believing, yeah. active, alive Christian. And and there was some pushback there that yeah, that yeah. that we were that me and Tent um, were offering this view of the Bible as if it was the only view, mm-hmm. and I was I was surprised by that. I mean, I I was sad by that because from my point of view, I, I felt like we were actually offering a a perfectly orthodox and very deeply historically accurate view of the scriptures. Um, but then again, from the, from the people, from the person who complained, I can see his point because uh, perhaps he, he was expect. I think I didn't frame it very well. I think I should have set it up as we're going to create a space to talk about these complicated issues. There's more than one way of thinking about it, and it's perfectly possible to be a six-day creationist and to be a a Bible believing Christian who believes that evolution is also true. Mm-hmm. And we can, we need to find a way to talk and disagree about this Christianly. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I wish I'd, I wish I'd made the space better. I wish I hadn't just created a space and then said, here's the, here's the view. Sure. I wish maybe I'd created a space that said, there's more than one way of thinking about this. And Christians don't always agree. Yeah. Now let's talk about it. I, I think maybe that's what I should have done, but sure, sure. yeah, that was some pushback there on creation. And, and certainly, uh, as it's been said, you know, there, there are two problems. One is that Christians don't read the Bible and one is that they do. If you actually read the mm-hmm. Bible cover to cover, you are bound, you know, in the 21st century to come across issues because right. it is such a different culture and it is a big challenge. And you think, hang on, 
what do I make of, you know, the, the Joshua accounts of apparent right. genocide? What do I make of the fact that the Gospels seem to contradict one another in some details? Yeah. You know, and if you haven't understood biblical genre and and the way in which the authors are seeking to communicate, that is a big issue. I've had people question me, yeah. and I'm thinking, actually, what do I say here? Because I could undermine your faith in an inappropriate way because you have a particular view of how the Bible is supposed to speak to you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> this is partly why I said to you earlier that I, I like to not just be a one a one and done person or yeah. just come in for an evening. I like to try and be resident for a longer time because a lot of these issues are not just something you can deal with in 45 minute talk. They they require a one-to-one conversation and an honesty and people saying, I've always wondered about it. So I'll do this. Part of tent is often I I hold these office open hours and people will just come to me and talk about whatever it is they've been thinking about. And, you know, I've had people come to me with bookmarks in their Bible saying, I don't understand this passage or this has always bothered me. Let's talk about it. So, and you you know, it's, it's something you can do. People need the space to really work it out. And it, it doesn't even mean that by the end of it, they'll come up with an answer or the answer, but they might be aware that, oh yeah, lots of people have thought about this. Here's lots of different ways that Christians have have dealt with it over the years. And it's just a way of, I think we're addicted to apologetics. I think, I think we are, have a strong sense that there must be one good answer to a complicated question. And if only I could get the one good answer, if I could have one line that will knock down any objection, Yeah, you know, um, and I'm partly resisting that. I, I know that often audiences want me to be like that. They want me to give the one, the one clever, witty answer to this complicated question. But I partly think that's been part of the problem over the years. That that we we think that theology is meant, that's its job is it's to give us um, a knockdown answer to a complicated question. And I don't think that is theology's job. Yeah. So. Often what I do is, is rather than try and give a quick answer, I try and open up the space and say, let's talk about this. Here's the history of the thing. Here's how different people have thought about it. Um, here's what I think about it. You know, and it, 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 I deliberately try and slow down the pace. Wow. And sometimes we have to learn to live with, the resolu- with, with something unresolved. Sure. Um, you know, people have been wondering about the genocides in Joshua for a long time. (laughs) We're not going to solve it in 45 minutes. I'm not going to give you a clever answer for it. I can tell you, here's how I live with this text. Here's how people who I admire and respect live with this. Here's how we deal with it. That's what I can do. Um, And I can provide some context for how Christians throughout the centuries have dealt with it. And it's more just getting Christians acquainted with their own Christianity rather than uh, giving you a, 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 an easy, quick answer to a complicated problem. Um, we, we focused on the local church, but I, in my introduction, I talked about universities, schools, festivals, political party conferences. Yeah. I mean, you obviously do theology in, in, in what we might regard as unusual places. So how does that kind of work out? Um, I get invited to do... I guess the word would be the pop, to be popular or to at least make it accessible. So okay. uh, wherever I find people who, who want a theological voice, it's usually Christian. So I think of like the party 
party political for example I'm a, I'm a political theologian in the in my academic life and so every once in a while I'll get invited to comment on politics and it's usually from Christians who are wondering how do I, I know I'm a Christian and I also know I'm a conservative or a liberal democrat or a labor how do those two how do they fit you know and so that's that's often what will happen I'll get Christians inviting me to come and comment on how does how does Christianity relate to to X to whatever it is that we're doing business or small group small you know entrepreneurial initiatives and Christianity it's a lot of that those kind of things so yeah, this is very similar to the local church business in which I'm just trying to to bring in people saying, how do we live and think Christianly in this world? Um, and how do we, how do we, I guess I'm trying to avoid saying the word practical. How do we make Christianity practical? I'm, I'm avoiding that word. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say is how, how do we stop thinking that Christianity is just theoretical? And then as soon as it, as soon as it hits the real world with heavy air quotes, then it stops being um, useful. Um, and I'm trying to avoid that. I'm trying to bring people to say, oh, actually, Christianity is much more about um, a posture that we take towards the whole world. Hmm. And it's a posture of worship. It's a posture of graciousness, hospitality. I mean, think of the fruits of the Spirit, really. Hmm. How do we bring the fruits of the Spirit, kindness, uh, self-control, hospitality, how do we bring that to whatever it is that we're doing? Um, and to me, so to me, being theological and being talking about popular theology isn't about um, dumbing down and making complicated church history accessible to the masses. It's not like that. It's more like, oh, how does how do we think about the Holy Spirit or how do we think about the Father heart of God in a way that changes our lives in the way that we actually relate to people um, as Christians. I guess that's a, that's a long answer to your question. No, but um, it, I often find what I do when I, when I talk to people is that I'm, they think that they're getting a certain type of person because we've been trained to think that academic theologians are all about footnotes and complicated words. And, they think they're going to get that, <laughs> but but often what they get is um, is a, a worship service. I mean, I often tell my people like so we we try and do um, we try and have sung worship before the lecture, and so just because we want to try and set up a context that that sung worship is part of theology, yeah. so then the music will die down, and I'll often stand up and I'll say well, you, you all thought that worship ended when the, the last guitar note <laughs> faded away, but we're still worshiping. Yeah, yeah. We're still doing this as we talk excellently about God and as we try and let mm. Jesus Christ shape our lives. Okay. And talking about the Bible or church history or theology is also worship. Yeah. And, um, and we, we want to try and let it affect our lives. So, um, yeah, so sometimes groups like, political parties or whatever, they'll, they might bring me in and they might not get what they expect. What they expect. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> well, Stephen, time's uh, gone, but just enough time to let listeners know of how they can uh, access your material, particularly if, obviously, if they as a, a local church like the idea of having a resident theologian maybe one day. So um, how would they yeah. get in touch with you? 
Well, it's, I'm not hard to find. It's just Tent Theology, www.tenttheology.com. Easy to find. Fabulous. Good. Uh, and obviously I'm speaking to you, it's early in the morning in Canada, but you're mostly in the UK. I'm mostly in the UK. I'm, I'm just in Canada for, for the summer for four months, um, traveling around, doing some tent here in Canada. Uh, but mostly I live in the UK and I travel all over the place. Fabulous. Well, lovely to chat with you. Thank you for this exciting, uh, what, well, it's new to me, but it's been going around a while, but uh, initiative. So thank you. Thank you, Andy. So you've been listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was talking to Stephen uh, Backhouse. So uh, do find out more about Tent Theology if uh, that's interest you to either as a local church or perhaps you're in, involved in another environment where you think his, uh, his skills and input could be of value to you. Uh, do go to Premier's website and uh, find out uh, archived versions of a leadership file. Uh, go to iTunes. You can get a copy of my book, The Leadership Road Less Travelled, at the Premier uh, Store. And you can join me again next Sunday at 3.30 for another Leadership File. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's Word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. Hey.